Welcome to Walking with Spirit with Dr. Ruth Anderson on the International Angels Network and Enlightened World Network. I'm your host, Ruth Anderson, and I'm coming to you from Colorado. Here at International Angels Network, we explore spirituality, angels, spirit guides, our loved ones on the other side, and much more. Our radio podcasts are available to you on Pocket Cast, Pinterest, Player FM, Podchaser, and now Overcast Radio. Listen to us on Alexa and Echo Amazon devices or download the TuneIn app. These are all easy sites to use and make it simple to listen to our archived shows. This episode of International Angels Network is sponsored by Holistic Light Rejuvenation Center. For more information, visit holisticrejuvenate.com. Sunday Sturgeon is the founder and CEO of Holistic Light Rejuvenation Center and is a host on our network. I would like to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen in. This show is called Walking with Spirit. Walking with spirit means consciously living in the physical realm with frequent connection to the divinity in the spirit realm and being open to all that they want me to experience. Every day I check in with my guides, divine mother, and God, sometimes seeking guidance, sometimes seeking connection, and sometimes seeking their healing abilities. Many days I receive lessons by hearing seeing, or feeling signs coming in from the energetic realm. I never know what my day is going to look like or what the next learning might be. I am an author and a spiritual counselor providing individualized transformational experiences for my clients using Holy Fire Reiki, energy work, and connection with the spiritual divinity, including the Divine Mother, Archangels Michael, Gabrielle, and Raphael. In preparation for tonight's session, the Holy Spirit and Archangel Michael have been preparing my heart by showing me a few past lives where I was in relationship with souls I am currently in relationship with. These past life stories ended badly, in some cases, horrifically. I saw how the stories from our past lives have played out similar emotional chaos into our current lifetime. The message to me was that sometimes it is difficult to make sense of our current day relationships. In order to understand them fully, we might need to explore our past lives in order to seek the healing and transformation that would help us to heal as souls and bodies now. Tonight's show is the second of our three-week mini-series called Healing from Abuse, A Road to Recovery. This mini-series is a gift of the heart. The idea for these shows came up a few weeks back when I was interviewing a friend and fellow lightworker, Monica Augustine. While she was sharing on the show about the work she does with Reiki, Archangel Michael impressed upon her heart that this was a safe space to speak about her history of childhood abuse at the hands of a family member. At the same time, Archangel Michael impressed on my heart that there were listeners who had been through similar situations and would welcome hearing what Monica had to share. It was then that Monica and I both heard the request from Archangel Michael that we together record a series of shows about abuse and healing. 
I know that this gift of love to you is requiring that Monica stretch herself and take risks, perhaps in ways that she never has before. My role is to offer her the safe space in which to do it, and I am feeling the presence of Archangel Michael next to us as we are together today. For any of you listening who have been subjected to abuse at the hands or words of another, please join us, settle in, and open your heart to feel these words and the heartfelt connection in which Monica, Archangel Michael, and I are reaching out and embracing you. These shows will be aired on Enlightened World Network's show called Stepping Into Your Power, because that is what we hope for you. That as a spiritual being having a physical existence, you are able to step into your power. So welcome to week two of Healing from Abuse, A Road to Recovery. This episode is called Tuning In. With that, I would like to tell you about our guest this evening, my friend and fellow lightworker, Monica Augustine. Monica's career passion is to support clients to gain clear insight, release inner blocks, and heal so they can take positive action to experience the life they desire. She gains information by asking questions, actively listening, and using her empathic, clairaudience, and clairvoyant skills. She then uses Reiki to release and clear inner blocks and life coaching to support positive action steps. Monica has training as an intuitive reader and is certified as a Reiki master teacher and life coach. In addition, Monica founded and directed Wildflower School of Voice in Boulder, Colorado for 20 years before selling it at the end of 2014 to transition into her new work full-time. On the personal side, she has lived in Colorado for 26 years has been married to her husband, Kevin, for 21 years. Together, they have two boys, Greg and Will. Monica loves to be with her family, sing, exercise, and devote time to friends and her spiritual practice. Welcome, Monica Augustine, and thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Ruth. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So listeners, if you have not heard the first session that Monica shared that was called Boundaries, I encourage you to go into the show archives and listen in. Monica walked us through her years of abuse at the hands of a family member on a sexual, emotional, and mental basis. And she spoke about the importance for someone who has been through abuse to create healthy boundaries. Setting those parameters helps create a safe place to grow and heal and a healthy place from which to create healthy relationships. Monica, one of your many brilliant comments last session was to learn to listen to your higher self and to stop overriding what your higher self is telling you. And Monica, I know that you are an amazing musician, and I know that some of your music was written during this difficult time of trying to process everything you had been through and trying to heal and move on. Um, is it okay if I share your song that's called Rescue Me that you wrote? Sure, I'd love that. All right.
Okay, Monica, that is stunning. Absolutely stunning and so heartfelt. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's beautiful. You oh, have I was, a beautiful voice. Thank you so much, Ruth. So just to, before we start talking about this, just to let listeners know, that is available on iTunes, um, that anyone could go to iTunes and look up Monica Augustine, A-U-G-U-S-T-I-N-E, and you've got several songs and several albums on there. So um, that one was Rescue Me and just touched me to the core. I, I felt my heart chakra just exploding listening to that. Hmm, thank you so much, Ruth. Thank you. So where in your journey was that song created? Were you thinking of you as a child or was that you as an adult wanting to be rescued or both? Um, I, that was uh, a memory from uh, being a child uh, in a, in one of our rental homes that we had. And um, yeah, it was a memory of um, being woken up at night. Um, memory of being woken up in the middle of the night, maybe two or three and, and by the, um, one of the people that um, I was, uh, you know, abused by, and and then I was just having to deal with that. Um, you know, I just remember the moon was bright, and I remember the window was open, and I remember, oh my God, I got I need out of here. How am I gonna get out of here? And I, I think at that time I was um, like nine years old, um, and that, that song's about that. And it was a really, it was really hard to write it, get it out, just kind of like purge that. But when it was out, I felt almost like dust was swept off my soul in a way. I felt enlivened and so much lighter once that song was out of me. That's how I felt about a lot of the songs that I wrote in all the albums. But that, that was the first album I'd ever recorded. And so a lot of those songs are about that, that time. Mm -hmm. I, I can see that that would really touch people that have gone through something like this. And, and it touched me, and I haven't gone through something like this. So beautiful, Monica. Thank you so much for sharing that pain through your music with other people to help them heal. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Thanks oh, for sharing it. My pleasure. So, Monica, you um, have labeled this show Tuning In. So what do you mean by Tuning In? Yeah, so one thing I wanted to share with the listeners um, is, before we go into that, Ruth, if that's okay with you, is, yeah. you know, these, as we know, these things happen, and and we have to, one thing I just want to encourage anybody that is, is healing right now or, or considering that these things might have happened to them and they might be, you know, younger listeners or really any age listeners, because sometimes we repress things even into our 50s and 60s. And it's like when the body feels they're ready or in a safe place, it knows that it has that intelligence 
and it will start to um, start to kind of give us messages that something's just needing to get out of us. But one thing I wanted to share is these that it is not who we are, and this is like a really important mindset I just want to sh start the show with. These experiences did happen to us, and they they are not who we are. And I want to encourage people that as they're healing to to begin, if you can, and it takes a lot of practice because we weren't brought up with um, the teaching of compassion or self-compassion or understanding or nurturing. And so we don't really, we have to teach ourselves that and not be hard on ourselves, but it is very challenging for most people to do. It was really challenging for me. But what I want to encourage people to do is do your best to, to let these things come up. You're going to feel a lot you you might see things, you might dream about them, but try to remember they're not who you are and they don't define you and it wasn't your fault. And just to try to keep all of this almost a little space between you and the memory, almost if you put it like you're watching a movie, like project it out. It's not like dissociating or anything. It's just giving you space to not identify with it and it helps it helps it heal faster and it helps with the anger um, and it helps to just to have to heal and not be identified with it and have like self-compassion um, you know be in your own compassion for yourself as you heal I wanted to just start with that Ruth oh, thank you yeah because it's so easy to it's just so easy, Ruth, to identify and think this is me. I am, I am um, unworthy. I am worthless. It's my fault. I'm a rotten apple. That used to be my feeling was I was like that rotten apple at the bottom of the barrel that everyone's like, throw that out, just save the good ones. So like, it's just easy to identify and feel like it's all our fault. It's really important to try to keep that distance so you can really see that it was it was an experience it was not okay but the more space you have and the more compassion you have for yourself to start is really important and um yeah and it, it goes in stages you know and just honor where you are in each stage of your healing is really important <laughs> so i just want to get that across just so i didn't forget that good good thank you and you know, while you were talking i was seeing archangel michael and it's just interesting because what i was shown was like the vision of a child who was suffering and an angel right next to right next to her and so I, I think the message that he's wanting me to get across is that um, whether it's whether it's actually um, a child energetically, like your memories, like like you revert back to being a child, being in that space of being hurt, or whether it was a child who was actually being hurt. Either way, that um, angels love us and can be there right next to us. So it's okay to reach out and, and reach for the spiritual divinity 
at those times that you don't have to go through that alone. So I yeah, I agree with that, Ruth. It's hard to it's hard to explain to people and it's hard to you know, get that message across. And sometimes in my own mind, it's hard to understand that mm -hmm. while that's happening, you have that support there. But I did actually really feel that while that those things were happening, the ones that I can remember, because mm -hmm. I do think there's still some memories I still don't remember. Um, but the ones I do, I did feel somehow I wasn't alone. And it's hard to explain that, but I did. So I, I really resonate with what you just said. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So. Yeah, and yeah, the tuning in. Do you want me to go to that part, Ruth? Yeah, perfect. Thanks. Yeah, so the, the tuning in um, is tuning in with self-compassion is, is the beginning of being aware throughout your day of messages from your body and your mind. Um, that are taking, starting to take place. And I say through your day because most of us, a lot of us, need to work and we have children and we have, you know, um, careers and we have things that we are, we need to do each day. And that's why I say through your day, just know that you can do it and it doesn't have to be like a memory a huge memory that just makes you not be able to function. You can welcome it almost like have the intention, I'm ready to heal, I can feel the stirrings and just a little at a time so I can function through the day and get take care of my kids, my husband or you know, whatever it is that they have going on. And for and for men too, for their wives, because it, it happens of course to men as well, not just women. But as opposed tuning in it begins a process of tuning into your body, into your feelings and your thoughts, as opposed to projecting and blaming and avoiding. So we, we do need to do our best to get out of the blaming, even though it's super easy and valid, but that's not going to really help us. So tuning in, it takes some time, it takes some energy, and sometimes it can feel daunting, but seeing yourself on the other side and feeling free and happy is... Um, it has helped also, it helped me. But be learning to become the observer. So you're starting to tune in. You're feeling, you know, feelings arise, thoughts arise. And instead of saying, oh, that's nothing, uh, or grabbing more food or alcohol, or, you know, for some people, drugs, or whatever your safe vice is, mm -hmm. um, because it's very natural to have one. And they're all different. And some people might be, say, cutting, you know, cutting or whatever it is for people um, or just, yeah, whatever it is. Instead of going to that, begin to ask that feeling, what do you have to share with me? Like ch changing it so that our feelings and our our thoughts actually become our friends with information to help us become whole. That's how I started doing it. And it's amazing the information that feelings have. Now, they're not pleasant. <laughs> they, they're they not always pleasant. And most times they're not at first becoming, it's like they start to arise irrational irritability, like irritability, just mm -hmm. out of nowhere for no reason. Is, is a really strong sign 
the healing's beginning. Mm. And instead of taking that and saying, like, I hate you to somebody you're mad at, or just say, what do you have to teach me? And listen with compassion and know that you're already safe. Because a lot of times people don't want to listen because it's scary. They don't want to relive it. They're scared they can't handle it. But if you already know that you already survived it, you're, you're sitting here now or standing where you are or laying down wherever you are, you've already survived. So you can know that. But it's irritability, like irrational fears, um, um, chronic worry, anxiety, paranoia was a big one for me. And just out of proportion, anger, these kind of things start to ask them questions that's tuning in, like, what do you have for me? And listen to it. And the thing is, if you, you don't remember a lot, and a lot of people abused, we, we have suppressed a lot. We just start noticing, why do I do those weird things? Like, um, and I shouldn't say weird, but feel kind of strange. Like, um, I used to do this thing, it's, it's kind of embarrassing, but I want to share with people because I, I don't want people to feel alone. But I used to cut my hair when I would feel anxiety. That was um, a way that I kind of um, alleviated my, um, my feelings of kind of hate toward myself, but I didn't really know what it was. It was my early 20s. I would cut it and it wasn't pretty. I mean, like cut it like a punishment. Mm-hmm. And I, I would do that. And I did other things too, but like, I wouldn't do it to other people. I would do it to myself. I would hurt myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also struggled sometimes um, with cutting. And I, it was the only thing that would alleviate my um, kind of like that pain. It was like to hurt myself. And then I started asking so that I could heal that. Why are you doing that? It said, I hate myself. And I asked why. And then it started telling me. But at the beginning, Ruth, for people listening, you don't even believe it's easy to not even believe what your mind's telling you mm-hmm. because you're like, there is no way that could have happened. They would not have done that. That was, that did not happen. So you have to learn to just take it slow and trust your mind, trust your, what your, your dreams are pretty amazing too, because they, they don't have the waking mind uh, fears. They are just pretty, it's pretty free in there until you learn to really connect with your higher self and your spiritual self, you've got to just trust what comes through, trust that you're not crazy, and just kind of, you know, this is kind of the beginning, asking and inquiring what all these uncomfortable feelings feel like. And you might not be able to sit and listen in the middle of the day at work, but at least write it down, come back to it when you're home, and you have time to do that. Does, does that make sense, Ruth? It does. It does. So, yeah, so, that, yeah. so you did a lot of internal work just in your own mind. Mm-hmm. And you also did other work, energetic work. Yes, I did. I did. Uh, I began meditating, uh, Qigong meditation with now who is my husband, Kevin. Um, that's where I met him. And I started doing meditation. Um, I was on antidepressants at that time. And my time, my reason for telling you the details isn't to attach to the story 
I want listeners to know, but it's just to let them know they're not alone mm-hmm. um, because it's been a journey for me, for sure. But I was on antidepressants and I was like, I just want to get off these someday. I don't want to be on forever. I've heard they weren't healthy for you. And so I didn't want to be on forever. So I started doing Qigong meditation um, once a week. And then that is a, like really, really helped me begin to create that space I'm talking about. So that I'm not identified with, um, like identified with the things that happened to me. Um, So I started doing that. And once I started doing that, I started noticing these really peaceful feelings inside of me and just even nice thoughts that I, I, uh, never had about myself. I managed and I did well kind of in certain ways, but I never really, really liked myself and definitely didn't love myself, but I managed. But I started doing Qigong and this is a meditation where you use your mind to consciously relax your body. It releases tension and stress. It boosts your vitality, your energy. It's like you follow pathways through your body and muscles and organs. And I found that like to be amazing for me. I started noticing um, that it was possible to be free. It's hard to put into words, but I started noticing feelings, sensations, thoughts, even if they were like for a second, it was like, oh my God, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. I've never had a thought like that or had peace in my mind ever like that. And then I wanted more. And then over time, within six months, I didn't have to take mes- um, medicine anymore. Mm. I got off antidepressants. My paranoia really subsided. Um, and it was amazing. So I started that. My first thing, though, Ruth, was I exercised a lot. I never really knew why I did. But even as a young person, I would go out for, like, mile runs when I was, like, nine. I didn't know why. But on the county roads, we lived on a farm for a little while. But even, even anywhere, I would do runs. And I would just stop when I felt like it was time. I did gymnastics. It kind of helped me get rid of toxins, I think, and help me clear my head and kind of feel free too, but I get away from things. But I exercised a lot, prayed a lot, meditated a lot. Now to this day, I still do every day. Um, music, the music helped me a ton. I started singing when I was young. I didn't know why I love singing so much, but it, it gave me a feeling um, I started in church, but it started this feeling of like there was something of freedom, but I didn't really think about it too much. I just knew it felt good, so I kept doing it. But then I realized it was a big healing tool for me. And I, and I started painting later, you know, like a couple years ago, oil painting, and it just started really moving energy. I sobbed after a couple paintings, just sobbed. And it was like I was purified. It was amazing. I had no idea that I was painting because of that. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, and then Reiki was one of my biggest, biggest healers, I would say. So Monica, can you share with us what, I know that you have had Reiki healing sessions where immense energy was moved out and you were shown visions of the energy that had been trapped and was moving out. Is that something you would be willing to share with us? Sure, uh, definitely. Um, let me just take myself back there. So 
as I started doing Reiki, we call it Holy Fire Reiki. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very powerful energy. And it's of the purest form. And I've experienced that. So is Ruth. And so four years ago, um, my teacher, again, my husband, <laughs> he was like, let's try a spirit release. It's called a spirit release. It's an a, a exercise you do to help people um, release that maybe energies that have attached to you. And in our belief in the healing work that when there's a wound or a trauma, we believe that then other energies that don't have the purest intentions kind of can go into that space in your energy field or in your body and kind of like take over in there. And that's, I believe, a lot where self-sabotage and self-hate come from. Now I think that after my experiences, I would have never, ever believed, honestly, maybe until this happened to me, I would have never really think it was possible. But what happened was um, my husband said, why don't we do a spirit release exercise on you? And I said, okay, because of course I was aware of all the things I've been through. I didn't realize still how it was affecting me in certain ways, mainly, mainly against myself. Um, and he did this. And then initially, I was like, oh, okay, that wasn't so big of a deal. And I didn't notice that much. But then, like, minutes later, I saw what felt like in my, and I saw in my mind's eye, like, hundreds, what felt like hundreds, Ruth, is the, the way I can describe it hundreds and hundreds of energies like it felt like spirit energies but not of the purest form mm-hmm. leave my body like they saw a ghost <laughs> no pun intended but <laughs> like like just like they saw a ghost and they fled they fled out of my energy field mm-hmm. and it took only like a couple minutes but I saw this Kevin you know this is what I saw it felt like and I even felt my body felt lighter like lighter energy. And I felt like there was a lot of space inside of me after that, that felt like there was honestly a big void. It felt really uncomfortable at first because I felt like they might've been with me for a long time and it felt like a void. So it was really uncomfortable for a while. Mm -hmm. It was also amazing that I saw that. And then the next three months, the next three months were, were somewhat challenging for me and not it's not like that for everyone I think it has to do with maybe how tight you hold on to things and and also maybe the uh, level of trauma you have experienced but for me I think the trauma was high and I am kind of a person that holds on tight <laughs> so it left the next three months were like getting used to not having that there and I felt kind of a little wobbly for a while and I felt a lot of anger too but then after the three months passed I felt like I was a like a different person Mm. like almost like I got my life back it was it was incredible I don't know how else to explain it but it was I feel so thankful to and in that time I felt a lot of presence of of love lots of love and I felt a lot of presence with Jesus Jesus I feel very connected to and also just other other beings of that level of love that I I'm not aware of names or 
that, but I felt all that love, like, and I heard a lot of, it's going to be okay. You've got to hang in there through this. And I'm not sure why it was so traumatic, like hard for me, but it said, just hang in there. There's a lot of like detoxing going on. I felt mm-hmm. and a lot of sleeping and just a lot of memories purging. Like you guys know, like Ruth, have you, you know, when you just get a book and you kind of flip through all the pages really fast and, and it's like, you can go through like 300 pages. Like you just grab a book and you flip it with your finger, all the pages. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like, that was like, felt like my mind was doing that. Like I saw that happen and it was, I felt like I was letting go of a lot of stuff and I didn't see it all, but it was leaving. And after like three months, um, I'm just saying it's not like that for everyone. It's not that long for everybody, but it just really felt like I got my life back. It was amazing. I I couldn't believe it. Almost felt like in the Christian church, they talk about exorcisms. It almost felt like that. It almost felt like that to me. Although I don't know what that feels like, but I've heard of it. Mm -hmm. I've never had that done. And it wasn't like I was um, speaking different or wasn't like the exorcist movie or anything like that it was it was way more subtle more just like I was really mean to myself and then it started really leaving it was amazing I was like oh my gosh I can't believe I can't believe how powerful that was (laughs) so it feels to me like you were getting back to the purest essence of you without foreign energy or you know energetic distractions of things you've been through or even ancestral energy coming down. It, it looks kind of like it was just you, Monica. And maybe that was like the first time you could remember feeling just you. I'm sure it felt very disorienting. It was, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Ruth. It it really did feel like I told Kevin, um, my husband, I said, I don't even remember this feeling like Mm. I never remember feeling like this. It did feel like I was going back to what it, what it was like to be born into this life before all the trauma started. Mm -hmm. And it started, it started pretty early. So it's like that I even remember that surprises me. It was just like flashes of it and Mm -hmm. the sense of the age I was. But even at that time, I remembered feeling like I was walking around kind of lost. But then when this happened, it felt like, oh my God, this is Monica. This is Monica, her soul. This is who, what she feels like. It was pretty amazing. I'm, I am eternally grateful for that experience, Ruth. I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, the, the pure essence of you as a yeah. soul. How sweet is that? How beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I I kind of just, you know, in my teens and 20s, I could always feel how much I valued being a, quote, good person. I know that's a very limited term, but it was just kind of a term I used when I was younger. I was like, I don't, I had to really manage all the kind of demons that were in my head, like all the time. It was exhausting. But I really wanted to be what I would consider a good person, like honest. And and I failed a lot of times, Ruth. But I kept saying, oh, my God, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to lie. I don't want to be like that. Why am I doing that? And 
and I said, I'm just going to keep working at it was kind of my thought in my head. I really valued those, those traits and character traits, but it took a long time for me to get there, but I'm glad I did, you know? Well, so while you're, while you're talking about that, Monica, what I'm being shown is like a, a compass. And I think it's a moral compass shown in a figurative compass, right? And mm-hmm. what I was seeing was that other people were imposing their moral compass onto yours in the sense of, no, this is okay because this is what I want to do. And your, you kept trying to set your compass back to north and they would say, no, east is north. And, and so I could see that being very confusing, but you kept coming back to your own moral compass of, no, I know what's right. I know that lying isn't right. You know, I know that what you did to me isn't right. And you kept relying on your moral compass. And I think that that, that really shows that you never did lose that, that essence of Monica. That essence of Monica was always there, no matter what people tried to overlay on you energetically or spiritually or, you know, cognitively. You were always there. Well, thanks, Ruth. The, thank you. The, the, um, your, your visions are so on, like your intuition is so great that the compass made so much sense to me because, you know, I do think I was always there and desiring to be that person that I wanted to be. And I think a lot of times I did things I was really proud of, even as a young person. And though, Ruth, there were times I lost my moral compass and I just, you know, got tired. And I, but I do believe that, you know, I do believe children are a product of their environment and we learn from our, our environment, you know, and then there was always the thought in me, well, if I was enlightened, I would have known better, but I, you know, I always, I was so hard on myself. It was like, well, I would have known better. I would have been stronger. I would have had more courage, but you know what? I didn't sometimes. And and it was like you're in survival mode. So it's like I always kind of felt like I was, yeah, I remember hearing and doing and having these things done to me and all this. And I was like, I don't know. This doesn't feel right. This is terrible. At the same time, you know, you're young. You want that to please. You want to be happy. You want to be safe. And so you're constantly battling kind of like good versus for lack of better words, evil, right? I don't know that I, I believe in evil, but just to understand. But yeah, it, it really was such an interesting time. And, and so, but I, I always did have, this is who I want to be in life. I'm going to keep trying. And I didn't give up on myself completely, but there were times I definitely felt like giving up on myself. Mm-hmm. And just was like, you're a terrible person. You you lied. You did this. You, But, you know, I agree with you that I just think we need to have compassion with ourselves. And really, there is there is like taking ownership, even definitely when you're an adult, when you're a kid, it's just hard. You're like you're all meshed in with your adults, you know, you're mm-hmm. all meshed in with what they're doing. So it's like I don't even know who I am, let alone take ownership. I, I do think that's like when you become. Um, healthier. You're like, okay, that's mine. I got to quit blaming. I got to like take ownership for this. But 
but yeah, it's like, I do believe strongly that kids need to, you need to, all of us need to go easy on ourselves and know that, um, you know, we are a subject of our environment, you know, we have to, and hopefully get out of there, you know, and, and heal, but yeah. Well, so Monica, your song, which is still hauntingly playing in my heart, your words were, I want someone to rescue me, but I think you rescued you. You know, in a way, it's funny, Ruth, because um, so many people, when I would play out, I gigged a lot when I was younger. They loved that song. and I, I loved it, too, but after a while, I felt like... I'm a big whiny baby (laughs) like that, like rescue me. I was kind of hard on myself, but people were like, play that. They loved it. It It's crazy. Um, But rescue me, someone rescue me. Yeah. I, you know what? I definitely think that I, I had something to do with it, Ruth. I definitely was like, um, I kept trying and I, I had to have some level of, not giving up on myself. So I do think I had some something to do with being where I am now, which I'm very thankful for. I also though really believe so strongly that I had some serious divine help. I really believe so strongly in angels. And I I like when I was younger I would talk to them. I didn't necessarily see them like I would see you in a room, mm-hmm. but I felt like I saw them in my mind's eye. Mm-hmm. And in my heart, I could feel a different presence that I wasn't alone. I would just talk out loud when I was by myself a lot and just help me. I feel like I was divinely helped. And God, I feel so strongly about that. And I feel very strongly about my husband. I feel like in certain ways, he really saved me too. And my one of my sisters, it almost brings like, a lot of emotion up right now, but um, one of my sisters, um, she saved me a couple times. I, I like, um, you know, one time I actually did take a lot of pills, and I have never told anybody that except Kevin. Um, so I'm telling people this only because I don't want them to feel alone, not because mm-hmm. I really want to dwell on my story that right. is over now. But I did. I took like over a hundred pills, um, not drugs, but like more like Advil or something. Yeah. And it was to take a break from myself. It wasn't. I didn't really think I wanted to kill myself. I just wanted a break so my mind would turn off. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I wasn't into meditation yet. I didn't really know about that. Um, I was kind of going to community college, and I just felt really lost. And out of nowhere, my sister, who lived close to me, came over. It was it was like divinely guided, and she just came up. I rented a room at this place um, on the beach, and she's like, "Monica, are you okay?" And I was starting to see like purple elephants, and and I had to I had to actually get my stomach pumped. And if it wasn't for her, I might have died that night. Wow. wow. And I don't I don't want to say her name because I just don't know if she wants her name said. But I am eternally grateful to her. And I love her so much. <laughs> and she's done that for me twice. And mm. I I feel like like I was helped by other people too, Ruth. And I hope that's not too much for your listeners. But I just want to be honest. 
because, you know, people think they're alone. And I thought I was alone. Right. I was like, I can't tell anybody about this. I just got to put my smiley, happy face on. Nobody knows how sad I feel. I wish I had more courage to reach out. But I just really kind of felt afraid for people to know how terrible I felt. I thought I'd be a burden. So I pretty much just kept to myself. But I do want to say for anyone listening that there is hope because I don't do any of that anymore. And I'm completely healthy and healed. I never got into drugs or alcohol, but for some reason that day I had Advil and I just wanted a break. It was kind of like an anomaly. I didn't really think, I didn't really think too much about it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But when you say I rescued myself, I don't know if I can take all that credit. I think I did a lot. I got myself, I, I, I worked, I, I lived on my own for, you know, I did a lot, but there were times I just felt like I was grateful that I feel like spirit spoke through other people and out of nowhere, just like showed up. Mm. <laughs> and really, I, I, I definitely can't take all the credit. I think we need each other. Right. Angels in human form, it sounds like. Yeah. Mm. I think, and I also get this image that angels like might have whispered in her ear. Mm -hmm. Like just call Monica or something or, you know? Yeah. Like, I just believe that happens. And I believe that angels are in human form too. I've had that experience many, many times. And... Yeah, oh, I rambled so, on there, Ruth. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's it's all perfect. It's all just perfect. So, Monica, we have you for four more minutes, and in that, can you tell me? Do you think that the process of healing is ever done and like gone forever, or is it just a continuing lifelong process? That is a brilliant question. I was just thinking about that the other day. I, all I can say is, because my life is, um, you know, I'm 49 now, and I think that it's an ongoing process. In my experience, it's an ongoing process. At the beginning, it feels daunting, like for me. I'm not saying that for everyone, and it just depends on the situation and the person, because everyone's different. I think it's an ongoing process in my experience, and it gets easier, though. Like, things that you used to do, you realize the next year, like, oh, my God, I didn't think that about myself today. Mm. And it's amazing, like a relief. Or I had the courage to tell somebody that's not okay today, which last year I would have never done that. Um, it's like, or just stop those really hurtful things, like, that we're doing to ourselves, you know? Um, I think it's an ongoing process, Ruth, but I want anyone to know that's listening that it gets easier and it's worth it and it's worth it for yourself and for those that love you and you're, you're worth it and you're worth it to God and you're worth it. And for whatever reason, like Ruth and I were talking about past lives a little earlier and who knows the reason, but it's just taken in stages and you can do it. Beautiful. That's beautiful, Monica. Do you have any last thoughts that you might like to leave with the listeners? 
Um, let me let me just think about that. Let me give that a second. Okay, last thoughts. Hmm. Yeah, I I want to say something about just as you go as people go into this and they they start on this path. Self-compassion fosters emotional resilience. And it's, um, if we don't really, if you've never been taught self-love or self-compassion, and we don't know like how that feels, you know, you can just even look it up like the Dalai Lama says, you know, um, I think this is from him, this, that compassion is the understanding that all people, all beings deserve freedom, uh, freedom from suffering. And I love that because it's not just you and me, it's everyone. Even even this is later down the road and maybe hard to even fathom right now because it was for me that even your abusers deserve that. Um, now, you can't start with that because you're still probably pretty mad at them, um, especially if they've hurt other people you loved or your children. That's just mm -hmm. a whole nother thing. But start with yourself self-compassion fosters emotional resilience and that honestly was said by an author and a blogger named beverly engel who i read some of her stuff on healing from abuse and i just when i read that i just love that so i just want to leave that with people that is beautiful um so monica that is all the time that we've got time for tonight so thank you so much for being with us and for anyone who wants more information about Monica and services that she offers for upcoming events, you can go to Energia, which is spelled E-N-E-R-G-I-A, transformyourlife.com. So thank you, Monica, so much for being with us tonight. Thank you so much, Ruth, for having me. I'm, I really enjoyed it, and thanks for the opportunity. Of course. So it is truly an honor to be among the hosts of International Angels Network and Enlightened World Network. And I look so forward to walking with Spirit and you next week. So good night and God bless.